All right. Welcome to the receding money line. This week, we have our preview of the NBA Finals, Celtics versus Warriors, the NHL Conference Finals, and the Memorial. I'm Stevie Mack, and with me, not only do I have Pat Make Your Money Grow, but we have a special guest, a family friend, the man who married me to my wife. He goes by Uncle John in my household, but you can call him NBA expert John Berger. How's it going, John? Uh, fine, and everyone out there can call me Uncle John as well, but I will, uh, I will try and add to this already illustrious group. And uh, in some countries, you know, this may be against the law, but not here. Thank God. Um, John, being from L.A., uh, yeah. I know you're an NBA expert, but do you feel like you're only an NBA expert on uh, the second, third and fourth quarters? Um, because from what I've heard, no one shows up during the fourth, fourth during the first quarter uh, in L.A. Well, so should this we bring year, somebody else on for the first quarter? Previous? No, 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 no. I just was going to say that being from L.A. this year, we had one team that didn't show up for any of those quarters. So, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a little depressing, to say the least. But, no, I'm, I, I still love the NBA, um, albeit we had kind of a kind – of uh, we had one team here this year who I'm not a particularly – particularly a large fan of, but my team, the Lakers, of course, uh, were in OSHA. But uh, NBA basketball is great. And, um, you know, this series coming up is a tale of two cities, a tale of they're both very similar um, in many respects. And, uh, and they were built very much like one another, obviously the Celtics being you know, the younger group are kind of tailored after the Warriors uh, when you really take a look at it. So it's going to be a very, very interesting series. I, I really am looking forward to it. Do you think it's going to be close or do you think that one team has a big advantage? Well, you know, I'm, you know it's the, on the proverbial paper. Um, they match up very well. Uh, they both you know, they're one and two defensively uh, team-wise in the league. And uh, the Celtics, of course, um, uh, after the first of the year, really began to gel and take off. The Warriors, as, uh, especially as Clay Thompson, uh, came back and then started to get his sea legs, started to take off. Uh, the one thing, you know, when you look at these teams, and it's, and it's true in the especially in the NBA, you know, the casual fan marvels and they should at the offensive fireworks of both teams, you know, particularly when you look at a team like Golden State with so many offensive weapons between uh, Curry and Thompson and, of course, Jordan Poole and, 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 Al, and Alan Wiggins. I mean, they, uh, I mean, those are four guys that, you know, going into a gunfight, you've got you've got a gun with four bullets um, to shoot at your opponent. And conversely, Boston, uh, you know, be building off of Jason Tatum and then freeing up other guys, uh, you know, the Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, et cetera. Uh, 
they have the advantage uh, on the interior uh, between Covington and uh, Al Horford, who has found the fountain of youth uh, during the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be a it's going to be a very compelling matchup. The one similarity between both teams is really they not only do they play defense, but they switch well. Um, and a team like Golden State uh, runs a lot of ball screens to free up their their guys, and Boston switches on every guy. So it's it's going to be very interesting. And conversely, Golden State does the same thing too defensively. So it's going to be very. It was very- uh, sorry. That's my <laughs> coffee machine. As a as a Celtics fan, it was. Um, it was hard to watch when Jimmy Butler was just uh, going absolutely off in, in games really five, six, and, and then seven to stomach to some extent. Uh, and I like, I'm not a basketball guy. I think I've probably played like two games of organized basketball in my entire life. Never played rec league, never played church league, never like, the pat, the pat, when you said switch, he thought that meant a light switch. So, I, yeah. So, I understand. I so, understand. no, I picked, I picked it and up. And by the way, looking at him now, his best friend is a light switch. So <laughs> we could go from there. Um, but I do think that from a Celtics fan perspective, uh, Steph Curry is going to match up better for Marcus Smart than Jimmy Butler did. Jimmy Butler was just a little bit, seemed like a little bit too big and would bully uh, – would, would just kind of like run through Marcus Smart when he needed to. I just like don't think that uh, – I mean, you kind of know what Steph's going to do, right? Like he – him and Clay are going to launch up a ton of threes, whereas, you know, maybe the Bulls were a little bit more uh, dynamic in what they could do with Jimmy Butler. But I don't know. It's going to be – it's going to be awesome. So the line for the series right now is Celtics plus 130 – Warriors minus one sixty. John, do you want to give us your give us your give us your pick with those well, odds? Well, the way I look at it is, I would <clears throat> I would certainly uh, play Golden State. Uh, they would I would certainly play them the at minus one sixty um, over the Celtics for just a couple of reasons. Um, the first being obviously they're at home. And, uh, you know, look, um, if, it, if it's as close a series as most people think it will be, you're, you're talking about the potential of a game seven. So although the Celtics certainly finished off Miami uh, in, ga- in, a, in the seventh game on the road, and, and, any, and they're certainly capable of doing it in anywhere, I think that you have to give that advantage to, to a home team. The second thing we just tore, I just mentioned about defense. You know, a lot of times, you know, it, series move on or games move on how, um, how it's officiated. And these are, especially Golden State is a perimeter-oriented team. And I just think at home, you tend to get more calls on the perimeter than you do on the road. So to your point about, you know, Marcus Smart um, out on Steph Curry, et cetera, if, 
it's an advantage if the officials really let them play. If he, if he, they don't let them bump and hold and push, then it becomes uh, th that advantage is negated. So we'll see. I mean, but in short, I would play Golden State. Nice. I, John, I 100% I agree with you. I think the Warriors are a, are a bargain at minus 160. I thought that number would be minus 250, 300. Uh, oh, get I, at it. Get out oh. of here, Steve. Get out of here. <laughs> I've been anti Celtics all playoffs, but I, I really do think it. I, I think that you also, like, you also said there's too much firepower. Like, yeah, for every Marcus Smart that's out there, the, the Warriors have so many more other options and they pass the ball so well with Draymond Green, you know, kind of being that like X factor of getting the ball to the other players um, that I think that they can really take advantage of the over aggressive Celtics. And, you know, I mean, I know the refs are going to keep it close because that's what the NBA does. Um, but I think the Warriors are the much better team and I'm going to go with them. I well, would just it, like to remind all of our, all of our listeners loyal and otherwise that I picked two teams to win the NBA finals before the playoffs started. I picked the Celtics and I picked the Warriors and I picked them both at plus 1100 or plus 1200. I got to go back and look. So I'm in the money. So <laughs> everything, playing everything playing from money. here on out is gravy, but as yeah. a Celtics fan, uh, Growing up in Massachusetts, I think it's going to be really close series. I think it's going six or seven games. And if, I think if a series is going seven games, uh, anything can happen in game seven. Just just go ask uh, uh, Kurt Schilling. So in the 2004, <laughs> the 2004 Sox, for that reason, I'm taking the plus money, Celtics plus 130. But like I said, I've got Warriors and Celtics plus 1,100 to win the whole thing. So we're, we're, uh, we're in good shape. We're good. Yes, you are. I, I got to make a comment. So we were down in the Bahamas this weekend watching game six and seven. Um, and game seven had the biggest crowd at Bahamas sports book. And you could tell the difference between the Celtics fans and the Heat fans really clearly. Um, mostly all the jeans or the, sorry, all the Heat fans had ripped jeans. You could tell immediately, oh, that guy's rooting for the Heat. He's got the skinny, skinny ripped jeans, easy, easy pickings. Um, but there was a lot more Celtics fans there, and it place was rocking for that game. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, one hundred percent. I mean, you know, Celtics fans are among the most passionate in sports. I know. I went to college in Boston, and being from LA, you can imagine being and being a Laker fan uh, when I went to school there and going to the Garden and the Old Garden, and uh, it's great. I mean, that's what makes. That's what makes rivalries. That's what makes sports. That's what creates passion. So, you know, this, uh, this is, good. like I said a, a few minutes ago, this is a very interesting series um, for a lot of different reasons, but particularly the, um, the similarities in my mind or a lot of the similarities between the two teams. Yeah, I've just I've just had the Warriors in my head as, as not a big basketball fan. I've just had the Warriors in my head as basically the 2018, 2019 Warriors. And I'm like, Clay's healthy. Steph, this is like small brain analytics. Clay's healthy. Steph's healthy. Draymond's getting himself involved. Like, how could they not make it to the finals? Like, how could they not win the finals? Um, 
So yeah, I love watch. I love watching the Warriors. I think well, they're. You know, I think watching guys shoot threes is is super fun. You know, in any championship run, in any sport, you know, it's it's kind of that old upper that that old saying. You know, it's um, hard work crosses opportunity, kind of creates your own luck, and you need some breaks along the way. You need to stay healthy, um, and and more importantly. As you, as you move through these things, uh, you know, stuff happens. I, I think the Warriors got a huge break when um, Dallas kind of did their dirty work for them in, in, in uh, eliminating Phoenix. Uh, I, because Phoenix, in my mind, is much more suited to potentially take out Golden State. But that's, you know, that doesn't matter. You still got to. You can. You, you can. Games. We'll never you can know. tell that to our friend Wes, who who was right. guaranteeing a Suns victory in yeah, the finals well, this year. Well, Steve, like you that. have a note here about uh, Stephen A. Can you elaborate on that? Because I think I missed this. Oh, so so John, I get most of the NBA news, NHL news from uh, the meme pages on Instagram, and this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this one was going around the internet, and um, JJ Redick and Stephen A. were. We're arguing uh, this topic was, is, is Giannis a clutch player? Because obviously, they, you know, they weren't able to win their series against the Celtics um, or the Heat. Was the Heat? It doesn't matter. Uh, um, and Stephen A. was saying, hey, he's not clutch. And J.J. Reddick goes, obviously, Giannis is, the, is clutch. The guy had 50 points in game six to close out the finals, which Stephen A. just replied, so? <laughs> and I think that's definitely when you're in the argument, you're like, well, what, then what are we doing here? If, if that doesn't, if that that's doesn't take really, culture, baby, that's yeah. take culture. Yeah. Steven, I got caught in one. He got caught in his own take whirlpool at that point. Um, sure. And, and it was uh, it, it's very funny. <laughs> oh JJ, yeah. Well, JJ Reddick takes too much facts. He takes too much facts to the argument and Stephen A wasn't having it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that you look, I mean, I understand, uh, on talk radio, it's entertainment or, or talk television or whatever you want to say, because you have to have a debate. Um, but it's it's pretty hard to to even begin arguing that Giannis is not clutch. I mean, all that that guy has that first of all, Giannis, unlike a lot of players, plays so hard on both ends of the floor. And he could change a game on both ends of the floor. Uh, a lot of NBA players can only change, affect the game uh, on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, he does both. And that's, that's when you look at true greatness. Guys, when you, look at, when you look at the history of the NBA, when you look at guys like Michael Jordan, uh, uh, Kobe, et cetera, um, those guys never took a playoff. Uh, Kawhi, Le a healthy Kawhi Leonard, same way. So you look at guys like that, and my gosh. So it's it's very difficult for me to, to even entertain that thought that Giannis is in clutch. John, I'm glad we so brought much. you on to uh, <laughs> uh, remember basketball players because I certainly uh, won't be doing that. But I did just, uh, scrolling through one of the sports betting apps, find a very oh. reckless bet that uh, – I like um, <laughs> so it's Celtics plus two and a half games 
in the series yeah. uh-huh. minus 300. So, so the, that's a Celtics game that, need to win at least two yeah, games minus yeah. 300. You like that? I like that. I think that, I think that's a good pick because I think they'll try to they'll get a there's going to be a ref game at least one to keep. Yeah, the, the, and then you just got to win one more. Yeah. I'm with I mean, you, you guys are yeah. taking the Warriors minus 160. I'll take the Celtics plus two and a half games minus 300. That, that, I, I'll take that. Um, yeah. My crazy pick is um, any game, any player, nine or more threes in a game, which there's only that. one There's only one player that can do that, and that's Clay. Um, I mean, even, I, even Steph does not do that that often. That is a Clay Thompson only bet, um, but it's plus 650. Uh, so I, I, that's like a really fun thing to root for just as the games go on. Well, think about it this way. So if you're golden state and you're going with what, and let's, let's just accept what you're saying is, you know, fact that, um, you're looking at a guy like clay, you're looking at a guy like Steph that are capable of doing it as another guy, Jordan Poole capable of doing it. Sure. Okay. But, <clears throat> But let's just focus on Steph and Clay. So, you know, basically what you're saying is, is that um, one of those, the player who, who could even approach that has to really get not only on a run, but he's taking shots away from other guys as well. So only one of those guys can hit one. And so there are only so many shots in the game. So I find it very difficult to believe that as great as they are, that whatchamacallit, that um, that a guy like Marcus Smart or whatever, that they're just not going to knock player. They're going to be very, very physical. They're not going to let guys get on a heater. And if they do, great. I, 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 this is... Steve, you know, it sounds it, like John's going to... John will happily take the other side of that bet for you. It'll get... It'll game, yeah, exactly. And I know you guys want to focus on the money, but geez, Louise. And by the way, we could come on next time and say how wrong I was. Oh, well, that's the whole, if, if you're right, John, we'll never invite you back. That's the rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the fun part is we only talk about the bets that we won and not the yeah. bets right, that right, we lost. Right. Yeah, Marcus Smart is the guy that that, that uh, bets on the don't pass line at, uh, at a craps table. Um, he gets real physical when you're on a heater. <laughs> Um, you know, that, that type of guy. So I understand that, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get past that and, and, uh, you know, they can't guard, they can't guard clay one night. I'll tell you one thing though, about Marcus smart, which I, in the last game against Miami, he nearly single-handedly lost the game for them in the last minute. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like my Miami could have paid that guy to shoot and he would have, and it was unbelievable. And that's- he took all he took all uh, either five or seven shots in the last three minutes and missed them all. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, and they weren't close, by the way. So I don't know. I'm, and I think that just comes with maturity, too. I think that's and that's something that uh, Ume. What did you think of the Jimmy Butler last second? Not last second. Last minute three with twenty seconds left. Going for the win. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, A, he's their best player by a long shot. Yeah. B, he single-handedly carried them 
in that game, along with a couple of others. Okay, and, you know it's very easy. Everyone loves to to play Monday morning quarterback, but here you have a guy with all the momentum heading down full court for an open three. And I know the fact that he's not normally a terrific three-point shooter, but okay. Because guess what? If he goes and he throws it to another guy who misses it, the argument's going to be, why in the world are you passing the ball? You're the best player yeah, on the that court. Was, that was, I, I, liked, I liked the shot. I mean, he did uh, have Horford kind of like on his heels a little bit and like backpedaling pretty bit. quick. So, so I do think if he had just gone straight to the rim, he probably like, maybe he has a, has an easy layup for two to tie the game, but he said it afterwards. He was like, he was like, well, I don't know if he said this part, but I, what I think he was thinking is he was like, I played for, he played 48 minutes in that game. He yeah. was trying to, he was trying to end the game right there. He had an open three. He had 40 some odd points so far in the game. He was feeling, he was feeling it and uh, d- didn't quite go in, but I like the shot. How what do you this, think, Steve? How about this for a metric, right? So I had Celtics minus three, and when I saw him take that shot, Easy. I said, oh, no, I've lost this bet. Um, right. So that means, in my head, that was a great shot. Uh, it just didn't, you know, turn out that way. Didn't fall. Didn't, didn't fall. fall. That happens. That happens. You, But don't you want, in any sport, you know, baseball, you want your best hitter at the plate or your best pitcher on the mound? You know, same thing. You're going to you're going to win or lose with with your best. And so he's their best. And on top of it, his supporting cast was so thin. You know, no, no they, Tyler they weren't thin. They were Kyle Lowry was way out of shape, John. Yeah, <laughs> he was. You got a big old booty. <laughs> Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he, uh, you know. One thing that you notice now, and the NBA actually is the best measuring stick because we've seen it time and time again. There comes a point in an in a NBA player's career where once you head to the other side of the mountain, once you reach the top, you really pick up speed going down the other way. And there are very few players that can really stave that off. Sure, there are guys that, you know, LeBron's a physical specimen, but now, of course, he's 37 years old, and you've already seen the cracks in the armor. It doesn't mean that he's not still a great player, but he's not LeBron of two years ago. And This it's, is an, an anti-LeBron podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Go we ahead. got... I got I got Celtics got? plus one thirty. Steve and Uncle John have minus one sixty. Warriors minus one sixty. Steve, yeah. any any uh, final NBA thoughts from from you guys? I think I, I think I'm good with the NBA. I, I think we should jump into to golf this week um, because the biggest news is not actually anyone playing in in the results of any tournaments, which was a good tournament, the Charles Schwab. Um, but the leaked news of the Saudi Live Tours first tournament, um, we had, you know, I'm going to, I have the, I wrote this out for everybody, the top five most interesting guys on that list. Um, no particular order though. Uh, DJ, Dustin Johnson, the fifth best player in the world. Um, 
only only big time American. You got Kevin Na, um, the the walk in putt master, who and those walk in putts are gonna be worth a lot of more, lot more money. Um, you got Louis Usenthaisen. Um, I guess all the South, South Africans left the, at PGA Tour. Um, and this is the guy who came in second in every major in 2021. So, you know, these this, these are like really good players. And then Chase Kepka, who knew that is that Bruce Brooks? Or it's Brooks' brother. His yeah, so brother. If you, his brother. Is if you go, if you go through him. the list, if you go through the list, it's like this. It's like there's there's two big categories, and then there's one guy on the side. The two categories are guys in the twilight of their career. Yes. Kevin Na, Lee Westwood, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio, 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 like totally in the twilight of their career. That's category one. Category two is like guys who have never been able to make it on the on the PGA tour, like Taylor Gooch, like kind of just stumbles around, like a couple top twenties a year, but he's never like he's never really making the big bucks. Couple a couple guys who are in college right now who are gonna go, I guess, straight from college to this tour. So and then a bunch of European guys who either never had their PGA tour card, could never get it, or never managed to stay on the tour for very long. So if you're not making cuts on the PGA tour every week, you're really not making that. You're really not making that much money after you're, you're paying for everything. Right. So those are the two big buckets. And then of course, in neither of those two buckets is DJ. And the best explanation for DJ is you look at the other big nameplate guys on the PGA tour, JT, Rory, Jordan, uh, you know, even guys a little bit further down who are just starting to become really big, like a Max Homa. All of those guys, you listen to them talk, and all they talk about week in, week out is their legacy, and they want to win on the on the tour that the best players in the history of golf have played on. Um, they want to accumulate PGA Tour wins, and that's all really important to them, and they want to kind of, you know, you know, quote, unquote, do it the right way. DJ, none of that. None of that. <laughs> DJ is out there to get the biggest house in Florida and the biggest yacht that he possibly can and uh, live golf. And the Saudis offered him $125 million guaranteed money. So I, you got God, old think... people, you got old players, you got players who could never make it. And then you have DJ who they were just, they just threw, he named his price and they did it, but they couldn't do that for everybody. So I think that's why you have one really, really big name. And then two buckets of two other buckets of players. I got a theory, right? So they just got married, DJ and Paulina. I think I think uh, Wayno, the great one, finally cut her off, and you know, no more they went over budget on the no wedding. more allowance <laughs> over budget on the wedding. You know, DJ's how the heck I'm going to pay for all of this? What would you know well, about that... going over budget on a wedding? <laughs> I... Yeah, <laughs> we'll cut that part. Well, by by the way. And the 125 million should almost cover that wedding, so that'll be good. Yeah, he'll be he'll be break uh, even after he'll be that. break even at that point. The um, you know, it's very it's very interesting because this isn't the first time that you know that the tour hasn't um, that there have been tried to be competing tours. I re I remember years ago they used to have an event here in Los Angeles, a charity event hosted by Greg Norman uh, called the Shark Shootout. And it's, uh, it was played at a uh, Sherwood Country Club. It's under another name now. 
uh, uh, the tournament is, which I forget, it's held every November. And there was one year, this is going back years ago, where Greg Norman called the meeting of all the players and, um, and announced that he, he was floating the idea of a, of another, of a competing tour. Mm-hmm. And, it, and Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer stood up. He had handed out a, 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 um, a sheet on, on everything. And Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer saying, look, this is how our legacy is here. As, as Pat just articulated, um, the tour made us, you know, and this is where we need to be. And so now, of course, you fast forward to today, and I think we've all heard the story how the Saudis approached Jack Nicholas to effectively be the spokesperson prior yeah. to Greg Norman. He turned him down. So you have this competing tour, and the truth is, because they are back, you have all kinds of money behind it. To the points that you made, Pat, which I think are spot on, that this is the type of field that you get. And what's interesting. What's most interesting to me about all of this is that there's really only one player, as you pointed out, that uh, in my mind is of any consequence, and that, of course, being DJ. So he pulls out of uh, the RBC, the Canadian tournament, and they drop him today. Yeah. You know, you know, so. I think for him, like you said, I don't think it's, you don't have to be Fellini to figure it out. It's, it's strictly a financial play. And what's interesting to me about all that is even if you are not, and teach their own, but even if you are not a, a huge name on the tour, okay, and you can hang around and win a tournament or two, et cetera, can you imagine... The, the, the amount of money that will be in your pension when you retire is tens of millions of dollars, if not more. And they do so, get a really good pension on the PGA Tour. It's huge. It's true. It's huge. I, didn't, I didn't even know they did that. Yeah. It's huge. And so these guys, a lot of these guys take the, take the viewpoint of, we're not going to kill the goose to get the golden egg. And so let's just, you know, and they know what they signed up for. And now, you know, what's going to be interesting out of all of this is what happens next. Meaning is the, the, the PGA has made it abundantly clear that they haven't given authorization or releases to anyone to compete on this tour and um that they're just they're just waiting to see what happens now because now you have the the next is the is the open u.s open you know what will they do do i think they'll ban dustin johnson no they're not going to hit the nuclear button but they're going to do something in between um because they're going to have to send a message and make it very clear that look, they're going to draw their. I think they'll ban him. I think the PGA yeah. Tour. I think the PGA Tour will uh, will will try to ban him for the rest of the season. And they could they could do and, that, or and there could, could, and I, then I think you know there could very well be legal legal challenges to that uh, down the road. Yeah. Um, right. Well, that correct. 
So, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's easier for the PGA Tour to, you know, seemingly take the moral high ground here, given where the money is coming from. And it's obvious that, you know, the Saudis are using this league and the billions of dollars to fund it to sports wash some of the human rights atrocities, I guess. So it's easy for the PGA Tour to, you know, to talk about protecting the game and and wanting to keep uh, that out of it. I do think where it gets more complicated is, is if, say, it wasn't the Saudis, but it was like the Australian government puts up $2 billion to do it, you know, and then and then they're going to go play some of the best courses in the world in the sand belt in Australia, and they're going to have same format, three-day tournaments, no cut, et cetera. Then it gets a lot harder for the PJ Tour to uh, to hide behind this, and I think it gets a lot more complicated. So, um, I I got a question. So, the Open, right? It's the British Open. That's a European tour. Well, well I, I misspoke. I misspoke. I was talking about the U.S. Open, but did you have a? When I said the Open, I misspoke. But I, I meant the U.S. Open. You are you talking about the Open? I'm talking about the the British Open. That's okay. a European tour event. Is the European tour associated with the PGA tour or like kind of releases for that? Yes. I don't, so I don't think the open the same way the U S open isn't associated with the PGA tour. I don't think the open is associated with the European tour. Cool. Um, and like the RNA runs the open, the USGA runs the U S open, the PGA, right. not the PGA tour, but the PGA sure, runs the PGA. And then uh, Augusta obviously runs the Masters. So you can, like the PGA Tour has no control over any of the four majors, which is why they you know, are constantly trying to act like the players, which they do control, is a fifth major. But sure. in theory, DJ could be banned from the PGA Tour, but if none of the majors decide to do anything, then he can play in all four majors. So if you start having the USGA or the RNA, or, you know, if, if Augusta comes out and says, if you play in this live league, you can't play in the masters. I think that changes the calculus for, for a lot of guys. It would be, it would be tough for me to imagine that, for example, you just said Augusta because only in Augusta that uh, I would be surprised because because Augusta is a pretty all-inclusive tournament. They're taking top amateurs. They're taking players from all over the, you know, amateurs from yeah. different countries, et cetera. So, you know, it's a very interesting point that Pat's making now. Because when you really, because we tend to think of golf tournaments or most golf tournaments all being under the jurisdiction of the PGA Tour of America, when in fact it's not. So, you know, there, there are the four majors uh, along with others, some others that, you know, and again, you know, it's, I think Dustin Johnson made his decision. It's purely financial. And by the way, make no mistake about it. The PGA's decision is purely financial. For sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> and I think, I think, um, there's an argument to be made that they're just acting like a monopoly, but I think uh, they spend millions and you know, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars promoting these players and you can't have them playing in other leagues on the weekend 
of a tournament, especially the Dustin is sponsored by the by RBC. He's supposed to play in the RBC Open next weekend. So yeah, well, it's very obviously way, against the tour's interest for for this to happen. Well, supposedly, you know, among the many, I think the final straw for Phil Mickelson um, was when he played that that match over Thanksgiving, and the PGA Tour took a a fee of something like, you know, a million, $2 million yeah. for his participation. And you might say, well, yeah, why does the PGA do that? Because they have spent it to your point, millions of dollars, et cetera. You, you know, I would understand it if they took a million dollars and Phil Mickelson got a million dollars. I wouldn't understand it if Phil Mickelson got $20 million and the PGA got a million or $2 million. I mean, yeah. that's just the way it is. They're, yeah. they're, they are your marketing platform. Yeah. So we will, uh, we'll keep everybody updated on the live golf TJ situation. Uh, I would like to apologize um, to all of our listeners because one of my, con- one of my high conviction picks last weekend was <laughs> the San Diego seals, Ooh. which John, I'll give you 20 bucks. If you, can even guess what sport that is. The San Diego, um, the San Diego Seals versus the Colorado Mammoth. I versus the Colorado Mammoth. I am going to guess, and it's strictly a guess. Um, it's got to be. It's not minor league baseball. No, they don't nope. really play the sport much out west. Oh, it's lacrosse. Yes, lacrosse? indoor yeah. lacrosse. Correct. Oh, indoor so, lacrosse, where you could hit it off a fan. <laughs> they played in I, hockey rinks with I, I had the turn. San Diego. I had the San Diego Seals minus one and a half, but it turns out the Mammoth made a comeback, uh, which is maybe prescient. Maybe the maybe the Mammoth are are going to make a comeback uh, in real life. So I think we should all bet on the Mammoth plus. Uh, 10,000 to exist in the next five years. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a big bet. Uh, that's a big bet. We're, we're betting on, uh, we're, we're betting on biology. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm feeling the dodo bird. This, they're coming back to extinction. Let me ask you something though. I, and I, and it's a reasonable question. Are there more players on the field than there are in the stands? That's all I have a question because I was watching not to make a horrible comparison, but uh, the uh, what's the the football league now? The USFL. I mean, my God, I think there are more cameramen there than there are people in the stands. I mean, well, that that's what, what happens, John, when you play every game in the same stadium in a city where there's Birmingham? not that many people. I mean, it's like, you know, every game and you're watching teams, you know, you're at least looking to see like, I'm watching a game the other night. This is how my life is. It's, it's two teams. They had one win between them after eight games. I oh, mean, you're talking about the Pittsburgh Maulers and the, uh, the Michigan Panthers. Something there's, like that. Football's too hard and there's not enough good football players to ha- which is why there's never been minor leagues. It's just called college. I and yeah. it, is, it is a great opportunity to see some old there's some familiar names, some quarterbacks out there, like the Shea Pattersons yeah. of the world. Shea Pattersons, exactly. Yeah. Who and you know, when they flame out in those leagues, you're like, Oh yeah, they're they were not good. Yeah. Well, they're selling 
they're selling souvenirs at halftime. So, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I have to, uh, I have to leave you guys and go okay. get a few hairs cut. The, the few hairs I have left, I'm, I'm going to get them cut. Um, but my, my parting thought that I want to leave with you guys is, um, I don't know if anybody, anybody watched F1 in Monaco this weekend, but I am officially in the camp of you got They got to get rid of Monaco. They got to take Monaco off. off oh, the well, yeah, because 1000%. And I've been there. You I've have? Where, yeah. Where, where did you watch the race from? What turn? I were watched you by? The, I, It was years ago. I was in a hotel. No, I was in a hotel. I was in a, was it a Sofitel? And I was like on the roof almost watching it's, it. It was pretty. It's, it's too, uh, like the issue is this, too the road is too narrow and the cars have gotten too, too big and it just yeah. turns into a, it just turns into a parade. Uh, yeah. Fernando Alonso uh, driver for Alpine was, was just basically trolling the entire field this weekend. And he was running in like, I don't know, 12th or, or 13th or something. And he was doing laps that were four seconds slower than the next driver ahead of him, but nobody could pass him. So it was like you had eight, you had like 10 cars, running up front and then you had on the other half of the track fernando alonso just leading a string of 10 cars 10 cars around the track it was like the pace car exactly like if you were trying to protest monaco and make an exhibition of why monaco should not be on the calendar you would do exactly exactly what he did so um yeah it was pretty uneventful the most exciting part of the race was before the race even started where it should pouring rain and you thought they were going to uh race in the in the rain have a lot of cool like tire decisions to make but then <laughs> they didn't even they delayed the race by 45 minutes to let the rain pass so uh the only potential excitement got got taken away from us um you want to leave us with a pick pat yeah um i'll leave you with a pick i've been i've been riding uh the rangers money line the past few days they're uh, just a fun team to watch my hero uh mika Z- zabanajad uh he's my hero because he has like hair down to like the middle of his back um he should donate some of that to the three of us uh i'm taking i'm taking rangers plus 130 tonight uh against the lightning and yeah I'll i think they're the- I'm taking the other side of that bet. <laughs> all right, me and John are mortal are mortal enemies on all of our picks. I love I'm taking it. Taking the other side of that bet. I love it. it, it uh, the beginning of the end starts tonight. I love it. All right, I will let you two uh, finish it up. Uh, all right, John. Okay. Th- th- John, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure. Well, I you're welcome you, to come Pat. on anytime. We had a gr- okay. I had a great time. Likewise, thank uh, all you. Right. All right, see you guys. So John, let's just finish yeah. up. Let's just yeah, make sure. real quick. I just want to make. I really just want to make fun of my dad. So he gave us all these his like strategy to pick MLB games, okay. and uh, yeah, since he's did that, they've all been really bad. So he <laughs> he told us the Marlins. He goes bet on the Marlins. They're underrated. They've lost five of the last six. Um, <laughs> he said the Diamondbacks out west. They've been doing really well. They got swept by the Dodgers. Dodgers. He said the Pirates. They're not playing that well. Um, bet <laughs> unless they them. play the Dodgers, they've won. They won two <laughs> against the Dodgers. They're going for the sweep tonight. Um, and he goes, Reds. You know, I've been betting against the Reds a lot. They've won four of their last five. And he goes, bet on the oh, Rockies away. And that's the only one that did all right. They've 
they uh, lost two of three. Um, so he's, you know, th- those that advice really, really killed re- me. Um, re- re- remind me never to fly with your father. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, it's so funny that you're saying that because, yeah, the Dodgers, I mean, I think they were swept by Pittsburgh like 10 days ago in Pittsburgh. And then they and then they lose they lose the first two of this series, and the, and the Pirates are not very good. No, and the Dodgers are, are stacked, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but it makes no sense. But, but that's I, baseball. That is baseball. It's a long season, right? And yeah, and that's, yeah. That's why betting on it is so hard. And <laughs> so me and Pat have been we pick teams to follow. So I've been following. You know, we pick futures on the. I put it on the Cardinals, and he put it on the Mets. And he is looking like he's making a much better decision than me. Uh, yeah, well, right now, I mean, the Mets haven't fallen apart or anything, but um, it's a long season, as you just said. And, you know, it's not a sprint. And, and like the Dodgers, you know, as stacked as they are, you know, it, it comes down to pitching more than anything else. Uh, and it's just like in, it's like in football. If you don't have a, if you don't have a premier quarterback, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. You're just not. You could have, you could have a great defense. You could have great players. If you don't have someone, if you don't have a great quarterback, you're not going to win games. And um, same thing in baseball. And the Dodgers pitching, you know, Kershaw's been hurt, so he's coming back. Bueller's been was. Six and one got roughed up the other night a little bit. And Urias hasn't pitched great as of yet, but you know, they'll come back and it's a long season. And so we'll see. You know? We'll see. So, John, let's leave, yeah. leave with this. Do you have any, I got, I'm going to throw one pick at you and um, you could pick either yeah. this, we're going back to golf to finish it out. Memorial yeah. this week, I got Rory McElroy. Uh, top 10 plus 115 or cam smith to win the whole thing at plus 2200 obviously so, one's a better bet but what do you think is a better value better value is cam smith i think i agree with you there yeah. he's been knocking on the door all all year cam smith well you're cam smith's one of my favorite players and i'm going to tell you something very interesting um at the players um, you know, um, six weeks ago, whenever it was, um, it was, if you recall, the weather was horrible, et cetera. And I credit Paul Azinger, who was doing uh, color commentary. It was Saturday and all the players were just struggling for existence. And Paul Azinger made a quip that, you know, if I had to bet on one person, um, you know, I would bet on Cam Smith because if he gets hot with his putter, he's the best guy on tour, you know, on the green. He can really put it. And I heard that and I put a hundred bucks on him. And I won twelve hundred and I won twelve hundred dollars. That'll that'll twelve to one. That'll do. I put one dollar on him, so I may win twenty-two bucks, John. Not not as yeah. not as sweet, but no, 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 I know. But by the way, by the way. 
as we all know, you're hearing the stories about the winds, oh, about the losses. <laughs> they're like fishing stories. You can't believe anything. No, um, no, no, no. There's always, there's always a, you know, a little, little worse than where. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I love Cam Smith. He's one of my favorite players, and um, I just love watching him, particularly on the green. But uh, by the way, in saying that, I love Rory. Rory's, Rory's one of my favorite players. I mean. You know, guys now, you know, if these guys on the tour are, are so unbelievably good and um, they probably, Tiger Woods has more to do with that than anyone or anything um, because they all can just launch the ball. And, but one thing in golf hasn't changed. It's the, it's the guy that gets it rolling on the green is going to win the tournament. So that's why I like Cam Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. If you saw Rory swing, you would, be, you would pick him. If you were an alien, you came down to earth and saw them all swing yeah. and say, I'd bet on that right. guy. But it, that's not always how it works. It, it's not. And then, we, of course, we saw you know, uh, last week, in the, um, the uh, PGA, I mean, it was like, oh, you know, it comes down to one, one swing that he, it looked like they called a guy out of the gallery to take the, the tee shot. And I mean, and you just felt so bad for him. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, that's golf, that's baseball, that's basketball, whatever. And, you know, what people forget is that guy got to that moment. Um, and, but one, one swing, one missed shot, one, one poor stroke, and it takes you right out of it. That's the, that's the difference between, you know, victory, defeat, goodness, greatness, all that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and John, with that, I want to thank you for coming on, you know, you are welcome. It was my pleasure. This was fun. (laughs) I hope everyone, I hope everyone out there got a kick. And I uh, look forward to doing it again. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the receiving right. money line. Talk to everyone next week. See ya. Bye.